This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. You're listening to the Millennial Balance Podcast, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. I'm Shaliza Bacchus. I'm Afua Ball. What's up, everyone? I hope you're all doing well, enjoying the summer weather. And the heat and the humidity. <laughs> My hair is not enjoying that, let yes. me just say. Yes. Now, Shaliza. Mm-hmm. Is that time of the year? Oh, not time. <laughs> Is it now? Sh- should I uh, give you a scenario? Shall we, and I'm going to be your mom. Shaliza, okay. mm-hmm. you know, you're getting older. <laughs> and I'm not even going to finish the rest of the sentence. We know where this conversation <laughs> is headed. Both of our moms, we've heard those exact words come out of their mouths mm-hmm. on multiple occasions. Too many. Too many. <laughs> and all of soul. your friends are uh, headed in that direction. Uh, What's when's, happening with you? When's it going to be your turn? Listen, Mom, can you give me a break, please? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about wedding season, y'all. <laughs> in case you hadn't figured it out. Um, but we are joined by some amazing authors, Michelle Bilodeau and Karen Cleveland. They are the authors of the new wedding book, A Guide to Ditching All the Rules, and us millennials, we are here for ditching all the rules. Absolutely. You know you think about weddings and you probably maybe just get so overwhelmed about all of the different things that are en- encompassing with, you know, planning a wedding if you're at that stage or if you're not at that stage. But, you know, you hope to one day be there and you're like, how am I going to do all of that? Listen, this book is here for you. Mm-hmm. They have answered your prayers. <laughs> yes. And they are going to answer all of the burning questions that we have. So hello, ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us as well. It's our pleasure. And can we say thank you on behalf of all of the millennials that have been, uh, you know, maybe a little bit anxious about how to, you know, plan their big day or if they're not there yet, thinking how they're going to be able to fulfill those big goals that have been put on them. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Our pleasure. All right. So, Karen, I'm going to start with you. So a lot of millennials are at that age where they're getting engaged and married. And let me just say, like, all of my friends are just planning wedding after wedding after wedding. And before we even bring the pandemic into it, let's uh, discuss some traditions that maybe need revamping. Yeah. Millennials are um, blazing a new trail in so many ways. But I say uh, there's great data that substantiates that millennials address their weddings and marriage in particular in a really unique way. So millennials are marrying later. They're holding off on getting married, not only for financial reasons, um, but also because uh, they're really shaped by generations previously that have a bit of a higher divorce rate. So expectations that millennials are going to help temper that divorce rate because they're so particular. Um, I found one study that millennials are driving what experts have estimated to be a 24% decline in divorce rates because they're so gun-shy about breakups. So it's this great, interesting mix of being really practical about their partner, super practical about their finances, but also being really socially conscious. So they don't want to participate in archaic traditions that don't feel meaningful or relevant to them. Yeah. Definitely. And so how do you think uh, we could really navigate through that and maybe bring a new meaning to the wedding and modernize it a little bit? Yeah. So we're the book that Michelle and I wrote together is really a love letter to love. Like we're super, we're pro-marriage, we're pro-wedding, 
But what we're really anti is following a script that doesn't feel like you. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who picks up this book, and millennials, if you're, if you're hearing this, this book is for you because we hope that it gives people permission to have a wedding in whatever way feels meaningful to them. So that might mean questioning um, what their ceremony looks like. It might mean um, reading up and sort of getting educated on why the traditions are the way that they are, and then deciding what parts of a wedding feel relevant to them versus what doesn't. So for example, Michelle and I tackle things like, why do we wear white? Why do we have wedding parties? Why do engagements look the way that they do? And we try to equip readers with a whole bunch of answers so that they can go in and evaluate what makes most sense for them. Before we continue, I just want to backtrack a little bit just to get the the background. You know, this book is coming in at perfect timing considering, you know, what's going on. But, you know, how did this book come about? Michelle, I'll throw this over to you. Mm -hmm. I mean, is this something that has been always been in the making or is it something that, you know, it just came in into mind and you're like, ah, you know, this is a great idea. Let's give uh, let's give some pointers out there to, to millennials or to whoever needs it who's planning for that big day. It really stemmed from when Karen and I got married. So we are not married to each other, although sometimes it feels like it. Um, We married our partners about six weeks apart from each other. And in the lead up to our weddings and post-wedding, Karen and I would just get together as good friends do. And we would chat about all of the things that kind of made us feel icky around the wedding. So those like air quote traditions things that we were expected to do that just didn't really vibe with who we were. Um, And we found that a lot of people that we also spoke with felt the same way. Um, So what was really, you know, what was really kind of the impetus for the book was that, you know, we were both, we were both, you know, well-established in our careers. We had mortgages, you know, we were fortunate enough to own our homes. Like we were, you know, well on our way to being independent feminist women and then all of a sudden we're put into this bride category and the bride category puts so much expectation on women that you have to look a certain way you have to wear white you have to you know do the wedding boot camps and maybe get your teeth fixed and wear false eyelashes and 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 it just didn't feel natural to us it felt like it really was bumping up against who we were as people and like I said, yeah, we had similar conversations with a lot of other friends. So that was five years ago. And, you know, we went through the process of luckily getting an agent. And then we were signed to Dundurn Publishing. And we, you know, did the editing phase. Um, and yeah, and the book came out this spring. So it was a labor of love for sure. And, uh, and a lot of things changed from when we started this book. But mm. We're really happy to have it out now and we think that it's really valuable for people at this point in time. Yeah, definitely. And and on the note of it being so focused on the woman, there's a lot of sexism really rooted in so many wedding traditions. So Karen, I guess I'll throw it back to you. What are some wedding norms that you think just gotta go? And I'm I'm gonna add my two cents here and I'm gonna just say that that garter trend I think it is so tacky and it's so cringe worthy really? like I I can I can't like do that in front of your parents and your family oh oh I oh live honestly I have to say I live for what like you know when they feel like you know I can do this I can get the garter and then it's just like they're lost and I'm like what but, what happened but like, <laughs> I sit there for yeah. days and I'm like all for it I'm bad but <laughs> that's me 
<laughs> like how long how long are you hanging out up there <laughs> it's like where, where are we going hello um, <laughs> i'm so glad you opened with that one because i i really have no love for the garter toss oh. nor do i have any love for the bouquet toss and i'll, I'll tell you why there's similar reasons because they really put a fine point on people who are married or not married which is a shitty thing to do people who are single who are at your wedding they know they're single. They don't need a DJ to call them on the dance floor to catch a piece of lingerie or catch a bunch of flowers mm-hmm. to remind them that they're single. We're at a wedding for Pete's sake. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not really into those. Uh, there's a couple of things that I think are super gendered um, that specifically pertain to brides. Like I, I really hate the war on women's appearance, in particular the pressure for brides to be thin. It's totally played out. It's ridiculous. And there's an, an industry that's almost predatory, knowing that women, of course, want to look their best, but it simply goes too far. Like we feature a bride in the book who goes so far to lose those last couple pounds that she gets a feeding tube inserted. Like, it's just ridiculous. So I'd say that's one piece of it. And then there's other things that we take issue. Um, for example, the notion of having gendered wedding parties seems just mm. kind of out of date and really silly if you think about it. Like, it's crazy to, to rank your friends, like who makes the cut to be in your, in your wedding party, your bridal party, but also this pressure to have like perfectly symmetrical, equal number of men and women. It just doesn't play well anymore. It's not representative of modern couples, and it's certainly not reflective of modern love that everyone can marry and should marry whoever the hell they want. So these sort of like hard lines between bridegroom, his, her, I think are ridiculous. I don't know about your experience, um, but it doesn't feel particularly relevant anymore. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? On that note, how do you feel about like mixed gender parties? Like what if the quote unquote maid of honor isn't a female? What if it's a male? Amazing. It's it's totally amazing. Yeah. Um, And we also love the idea of ditching a wedding party entirely if that's your jam too. Like really all you need is one witness for each of you to stand up and sign your marriage license. So we're all for couples doing whatever they want. But yeah, um, to if I can share a personal anecdote, I had a, a pretty small wedding. This is well before the pandemic. My now husband and I decided we weren't going to have a wedding party. But about 15 minutes before we got married, I asked my brother to stand up for me. So he okay. was, I guess, my de facto maid of honor. And he was thrilled. And it was super cool. It was a really special moment for the two of us. That's beautiful. I couldn't do that with my yeah. brother, but you I mean, I, I love that. And I think that's great in terms of breaking the grounds in terms of, you know what, saying we don't always have to stick with the tradition just because it's there. You got to do what also feels right. And it's your big day. It's your day. I think that's what frustrates me. It's your day. But you still like they for weddings, they still say, well, it's your day, but you, you have to please, do so, so, so. And, and you so. have to please all of your guests and do everything that would look good to them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, uh, we speak about in the book is that there's no groom industry, right? Like when you're talking about a wedding industry, you're really talking about a bridal industry and a machine that markets specifically to women. Um, and that is just like a bit gross, frankly, and out of touch. Awesome. You know what? Let's even touch on that. Let's ta- talk about the grooms. When you were, uh, when both of you were creating the book and editing the book, even realizing it's it's so slanted towards the brides. During the research, did you ever find um, any grooms that were talking about some traditions that were outdated that you know they wanted to you know have some more say in the way that the weddings were planned? Is there anything you know on the groom side that you found more interesting, or you'd maybe want to follow up on in the future? 
Um, yeah, there's definitely like room for loads of room for a, a second edition or, you know, a sequel to this book, because exactly like what you said, like a lot of men feel left out. And I know Karen's partner and my partner as well, were both very involved in the planning of the wedding. And a lot of vendors were kind of surprised that the men wanted to have their say, which is hilarious because it's like, why wouldn't they want to have a say? It's also their day. It wasn't just about me. Like this is about the person that I'm spending hopefully the rest of my life with. But the groom industry, like I'm sure if you look at any wedding show, like bookshelf at a bookstore, like there's no groom book. Mm -hmm. It's all brides and flowers and swirly things and whatever. There is a whole smaller industry geared towards men too, like guys getting Brotox and, you know, going in for certain treatments and stuff to look good on their wedding day as well, which, you know, as Karen said, like we kind of, we're not here for that. Like your partner fell in love with you because of you and how you look and, you know, who you are. You don't need to change into this different person on your wedding day. Listen, ladies, I can sit at your feet all day and be like, I all know. right, dish it out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> all right, ladies, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the pandemic. Because who hasn't used the excuse, oh, sorry, COVID can't invite you to my wedding. Sorry. Could be a good thing, could be a bad <laughs> thing. We'll have to break that all down, though. <laughs> Stay tuned. You're listening to Millennial Balance on 105.9 The Region. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Millennial Balance exclusively here right now on 105.9 The Region. And we are now joined by Michelle Bilodeau and Karen Cleveland. They're authors of the new wedding book. If you're just tuning in, they have this awesome book out, A Guide to Ditching All the Rules. Listen, if you're about to plan your wedding or if you're thinking about your wedding in the future and you're like, I don't know if I want to spend all that money and I don't know if I want to do all those traditions. They have you hooked up with all of the things that you can have to make that day just as perfect without, you know, incurring all of that extra craziness on the side. (laughs) You know, I feel like every conversation you have to put COVID-19 into the mix because that's just our new norm these days. Um, And so, of course, with this pandemic, we haven't seen really weddings sort of go away, but the wedding industry, quote unquote, has taken a hit. You know, uh, apart from the whole tradition and the way everything has to be big and lavish, people have found unique ways to, you know, still say their I do's um, without having to do that big lavish thing. So for Michelle, what general changes to the wedding has the pandemic brought on? I think you touched on a couple of things there. So, yeah, the pandemic has really shown people that they can do small intimate, really special events around their wedding, um, and they don't have to go over the top. I think there will still be people who, you know, if they have the means and they want the big, white, lavish wedding, they 100% will still do that and awesome, have at it if that's what you want. But I think the pandemic has really shown that people can have a limited guest list, they can run off and elope, they can have really special moments. and really romantic moments when they get married and they don't necessarily have to, you know, dip into their savings or go into a massive amount of credit card debt. One of the boutiques in Toronto that Karen and I really love is called Lover's Land. And they were saying, you know, last summer when stores opened up again, they had quite a few people come in and say, um, you know, we're so excited that we don't have to invite 150 people. 
we can do kind of the wedding we wanted of, you know, 30 to 40 people tops and, you know, have it be their special, um, like, moment. Um, so, yeah, I think the pandemic has definitely changed some stuff around weddings, but probably not all. Well, on that point, Michelle, it's difficult. Let me just say, I am from an immigrant family background. My my parents are from the West Indies. Afwa comes from an African background. And our, Wedding's no joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, the, the generation above <laughs> us, they don't do small. The yeah. millennials are the ones who want the smaller wedding. You know, I don't need that auntie that I haven't seen in 10 years and I don't even remember what she looks like. Why do I need to invite her to this wedding? So I feel like mm. the pandemic has sort of been a blessing in disguise for some of us because we can actually use that excuse But do you think we can ever really normalize a smaller guest list, even after the pandemic has passed? I mean, I hope so. I hope for everybody's sake we can, because it doesn't need to be so over the top if you don't want it to be. And the more people you add to your guest list, the more expensive your wedding is going to be. That's just how it is. But I think one way to, you know, hopefully get a little bit of balance or, try to find a compromise with your families. If you have, you know, families, really big families that, you know, everyone wants to be there is just to kind of try and talk to people and, and figure out if there's a compromise, is there a way to say, I mean, everyone's pretty comfortable with technology these days because of the pandemic. So is there a way to have family from out of town zoom into and see like a virtual aspect of the wedding so that they don't feel left out and they can still attend. We are all for kind of editing and fine tuning things to fit you as a couple and how you want that day to go. Like a 250 person guest list might not work just because you don't have the money. Um, And hopefully people can be understanding about that. But it really it really does boil down to communication. So on that note, in terms of, yeah, wedding, it has a lot to do with the money. If you don't have the money, you know, that can cause a lot of anxiety for couples that are looking to have that big day. And it can actually also impact the day in general because you're thinking about how am I going to pay the bills afterwards? But now that we've seen the pandemic come into the mix, we've seen smaller guest sizes equals a smaller budget. Is there sort of any realistic budget goals for weddings nowadays for the pandemic? And uh, can that stay? Will that be, you know, permanent in the future? Yeah, it's here to stay. So I think before the pandemic, the sort of weddings that we saw glamorized in pop culture and social media were the sort of lavish, as Michelle mentioned, over the Priyanka top, Chopra and Nick Jonas. really grand affair, which we cover in the book. Oh my goodness. Their wedding, a lot of it was sponsored, by the way. Oh. Um, oh. So we, I know the very people who probably don't need their wedding sponsored. Hmm. A lot of that was comp. Yeah, I mean, Michelle and I, just anecdotally, we got married, you know, five years ago. We both had really small weddings. Um, so I think that was there before, but what the pandemic has offered is now a year and a half of examples of gorgeous romantic, really fun weddings. Before the pandemic, the average cost of a wedding in Canada, and granted this is not taking into account the pandemic, hovered around twenty two to thirty thousand, depending on who you're speaking to. Oh my gosh. Um, and that's a lot of money, right? For what? Six hour, eight hour party, maybe a weekend party. There's something really important about that. Uh, in our research we covered, I think it's a roundup of 117 studies of divorce. And there's a direct correlation between couples who go into debt for their weddings and they overspend versus the outcome of their marriage. So there's absolutely a piece of this, which is about being financially responsible and planning for your long-term future, which is what Michelle, we super advocate for that. But the other piece of it is that 
if you're going to go into debt for your wedding and you're going to overspend and you're going to stress out and start your marriage on really rough financial footing, the odds of you getting divorced increase. And Karen and I are not like, we're not perfect. I am the first person to admit I overspent on my wedding ensemble and went into some credit card debt for it. Like, and I'm saying this because I want people to not do what I did. Like you don't have to go into debt over your wedding um, if you plan accordingly. Um, and also if you try to work within your means. So we have some breakdowns for how to go about setting a monthly budget to save for your wedding. And for people who are expecting that their parent, you know, might pay for it or might pay for a portion of it, we also have some tips on how to broach those pretty awkward financial conversations. But what I would say is that if you're, you know, if you have dreams of a big lavish wedding, and they're your dreams, not, you know, intergenerational <laughs> pressure as we spoke about, they're genuinely your dreams, you have to know that that doesn't come cheap. You know, people have got to ask themselves some really awkward, uncomfortable questions like, are you comfortable with your parents going into debt for you to have a wedding? Do you want your family to remortgage their house so you can have a dream wedding? Um, and that's the stuff that Michelle and I are proud to talk about because you're not going to read about that in any other wedding book, frankly. We go to some pretty touchy places. Yeah, those topics are just, they seem so taboo, but they really, those conversations really need to happen because it happens more often than we think that so many families go into debt just so they can throw, as you said, this six-hour, eight-hour party. And for what? Yeah, it's not exactly. uh, It's not necessary. Bottom line, not necessary. <laughs> right? That should just be the tagline yeah. for future weddings. <laughs> not necessary. You don't even need to come up, come up with a hashtag for your wedding anymore. Just hashtag not necessary. That's it. <laughs> not necessary. <laughs> I think that's what us millennials like to hear because we are trying so hard to break these intergenerational traditions and really try to downsize. And although the pandemic, as we said, has been an excuse it seems as though these smaller weddings are trending up. And another area where a lot of people find themselves spending a lot of money is on vendors. So uh, Karen or Michelle, whichever one of you has a little more insight to offer, how do we save money on vendors and still get what we want? One of the hot tips we offer in the book is, frankly, to lie to your vendors. Oh, <laughs> so okay. Couples. So as you're pricing out vendors, and you're looking for a venue, a photographer, a caterer, just withhold that small detail that it's a wedding. So get a, you know, get a quote for eight hours or you know, six hours of photography. Get a quote for a three-course meal for 50 people, whatever. Get your quotes before you tell them it's a wedding. And what that allows you to do is to stack up some competitive quotes, always get multiple quotes, but it also allows you to suss out who's gouging you just because it's a wedding. And that happens. There is absolutely a, a wedding markup. So we encourage people to really hold their vendors to task. What if we find that they're, you know, they're being a little bit like they can kind of sense that you're asking about a wedding, but they know that you're not asking about a wedding. And so they're being, you know, a little bit difficult. Like, I'll probably be the one to be like, OK, fine, it's for a wedding. Like, I don't know how to lie <laughs> my way out of I don't know how to finesse my way out of that. So can you help me, please? Well, I mean, if a vendor is making you uncomfortable, is that someone you really want to give your money to? Like, you're in the driver's seat. So people should be voting with their wallet. So we profile one person in the book who secures a photographer. Everything, you know, goes great. They're happy with the quote. And then a couple weeks before, they say, oh, by the way, what am I shooting that day? Is it a bar mitzvah? Is it a retirement party? No, it's a wedding. And they double their rate. Oh. 
so the couple in the book walks away from them quite happily. It's like, there is no way I want to work with you. So hopefully that doesn't happen to people who are listening to this, but if it does, vote with your wallet and don't support businesses that are frankly like being shitty to you because they're trying to capitalize on you getting married. You better preach. (laughs) (laughs) One way we also talk about in the book about like saving money is on attire and like decor and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like who's to say that you can't just go to a department store and buy a really awesome dress off the rack that you feel fabulous in? And just wear that. Yeah, let me just say, Afua is sitting here in the studio, and when you said off the rack, she is just pointing at herself. Background, too, when I used to, my mom used to say, oh, I'm going to get the big limo and all of that stuff. I'm like, oh, no, mom, just get me some Royale and get me some paper clips. I'll be fine. And she gave me the evil eye for the rest of the week. And I'm like, if I can save a good $800, if I can do it myself, why not? Why does it have to be new? If mm-hmm. you're only going to wear it, as you said, it's a 30 grand night for six hours. So basically, you're only going to wear the dress for like three if you have a reception because you're going to switch out of the dress. Mm-hmm. Just get it off the rack. Nobody's going to know. There's like a lot of options rather than just going to the classic bridal boutique, as Michelle mentioned, like off the rack, super great sample sales, secondhand previously worn dresses. There are a ton of options. For groomsmen, I don't know if they have. Is it more expensive for grooms, I mean, to to get their attire as opposed to the bridesmaids? Tuxedos can get really expensive, too, almost as expensive as as gowns, I'm sure. What can be really nice about having a custom tuxedo or something done is that it fits you. And you like my husband has reworn his wedding tux to I can't even count how many events. And it's because he had it made to fit him and it looks great on him. Like he's worn that jacket hundreds of times. Like it's awesome. So if you can think about longevity around whatever you're wearing, then 100% spend the money if you have it. I think with men, it might be easier to wear stuff again (laughs) than a woman who wears like a bridal bridal dress. (laughs) Walks into Um, the grocery store with a white gown. But it's also like how you accessorize it and like what you you wear it with. You can make it into anything you want. Um, On that note, though, I'm going to throw this both to you, Michelle and Karen, you know, final piece of advice for anyone who is, you know, feeling a little bit anxious about that big wedding day, thinking that they still have to do that big lavish thing. What are some, you know, top advice for couples that are about to get married, couples who, I mean, well, people who aren't yet married, but are one day going to get there and, you know, are thinking about how they can approach that big day. What's your one piece of advice that you could give to them? Anything at all? For me, it's about really just communicating with your partner and talking about what you guys want as a couple, but then also have fun. It, it shouldn't be this like super stressful thing. It's a wedding and it's about love and romance and it should be fun. I would say play a long game. You're getting married because you want to have a marriage, not a wedding, ostensibly. And you want to make sure that your financial future, your relationships with your in-laws are super strong five, ten years after your wedding. Not just think about it in terms of one day. Awesome. Awesome pieces of advice. And of course, uh, we can't leave without asking the most important question of all. Where can we get this book? (laughs) We need this book. Everybody getting married needs this book. Even if you're not married yet, you need this book to prepare. (laughs) So where can we get this? Oh, I love the glowing praise. Thank you so much. <laughs> well deserved. Um, we're available wherever books are sold. So in Canada, chapters, or sorry, Indigo, um, there's a couple small bookstores that are carrying the book as well, which is really awesome. 
Um, if you go to our Instagram handle that we've set up for the book, it's just at the new wedding book, all one word. We have a link in our bio that will link you to everywhere that the book is sold. And can we also get your personal Instagrams as well if uh, if our listeners want to follow you along individually? Yeah, of course. I'm just M Bilido, uh on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and I'm Karen Cleveland. Cleveland's about like the city. Nice. Awesome. And hopefully, you know what? Maybe we, not trying to put pressure on y'all, but maybe like a sequel in the works. Oh, maybe. Because yeah. you know what? Listen, the wedding maybe. life is forever long. And these tips are golden. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I know it's going to help uh, couples that are about to have that big day or people that are thinking about it, you know, still daydreaming and still have hope now that they can have something small just uniquely for them. All right. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us. These tips have been amazing, as Afu said, golden. Thank you once again. The New Wedding Book, A Guide to Ditching All the Rules. And you have been listening to Millennial Balance, a podcast exclusively here on 105.9 The Region. We've had Michelle Bilodeau and Karen Cleveland joining us for today uh, with their beautiful tips on how to make your wedding perfect and just for you without going crazy out of your budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to Millennial Balance. We'll catch you next time. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.